get cracking then, shall we? <laughs> so we started last week by reading a, a list out of 1 Corinthians 12, which we know as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the overriding message, I think, is this. If we are going to get where we need to get, if we want to do what we know God has called us to do, we are going to need those gifts. So the Bible is full of miracles. It's full of the supernatural working of God Almighty. Time after time, God's hand stretches out and touches people does what they simply cannot do. Moves mountains, breaks chains, saves souls and heals, hurts and delivers captives. And you know what? We need ourselves a whole lot more of that. Amen. The aim for this series, as I keep reminding you, is, is we want to learn how to live and duo dunamis, clothed with power. As I said last week, to shift the dial so we're operating more out of his power and less out of our own. There's so much in that statement. We need to learn to live and to minister naturally, supernaturally. And now what? To do that, we are going to have to become skillful at handling those gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether they be revelation gifts or utterance gifts or the power gifts. Now, last week we looked at prophecy, and I covered a huge amount in a short time. Now, if you want the detailed version of that, I preached a five-part series called Becoming a Prophetic People in 2019. And if you go onto the website, the podcast tab, and you scroll back a few pages, you can find that and you can listen to a more drawn out, fuller version of that. But this week, we're going to move on to the gift of tongues. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. If you remember, Paul said, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. And then he spent three chapters teaching on it. In verse 10, in this list of gifts, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, we've covered that, to another the discerning of spirits. Here we go, to another different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. As I said last week, if it's in the Bible, it should be in the church. This should be in the church because I found it in my Bible. And if you look hard enough, you'll find it too. Okay, so I thought we'd start as I like to from time to time, with a quick multiple choice question. One question. Uh, and the precursor is, I, I, I'm well aware that, that praying in tongues is one of those, those hot button topics. So here's, here's the kind of uh, groundbreaker, if you like. Which, which one of these is you? Now, I know multiple choice is supposed to have A to E. We've got A to F. I got excited. The question is, when you hear the expression, speaking in tongues, which of these is you? Is it A? Definitely not. Weird. Unnatural. No, thank you very much. I'm not one of those Christians. 
Okay, that's A. B. B is I don't qualify. That, that's for super Christians. That, that's for the next level. That, that's unattainable for ordinary Christians like me. That's a C. C is indifference. Do you know what? My Christian life has pootled along quite happily without it up to now. Good for those that do, but I'm all right, Jack. Moving through. D. D is, I'd like it, but I can't seem to get it. You know, perhaps you've, you've been prayed for and nothing happens. You've concluded perhaps that gift just isn't for me. And then we move on to E. E is sure. I pray in tongues, or at least I used to. To be honest, that gift has maybe fallen dormant. I, I don't use it much these days. And then we have F. F is count me in. For me, tongues is invaluable and indispensable and imperative. I pray frequently, I love it, I rely on it, and I wouldn't be without it. Spoiler alert. I am in Camp F. You know what, it's possible some of you may be in A, B, and C, but I'm going to take a leap today, and I'm going to assume that most of you are somewhere on the scale between D and E and F. And it'll come as no great surprise to you today that my aim is to advocate that we all take a walk right squarely into the middle of Camp F. Here's why. There's a premise that we're going to build on this morning that goes something like this. If we want to live and duo dunamis, if we want to live clothed with power, if you like, then praying in tongues is a tremendous and vital source of Holy Spirit power. And, and that leads on to the question that I'm planning to answer today, which is how does praying in tongues feed clothed with power? Okay, so, so let's dive in. Uh, the definition of, of this gift, as hinted at last week, is the gift of tongues is is supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue, which distinguishes it from prophecy, which is in a known tongue. The Greek word is glossa, literally means tongue, or it means language or, or dialect used by a particular people. And now, to start with, I, I think there's a vital key to understanding this whole topic, and it's this. And quite a few people, many people, I think, have kind of lumped the gift of tongues into one basket. Whereas actually there are different applications of the gift of tongues. I'm going to advocate in a moment for three different applications. I mean, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. It says, it talks about different kinds of tongues. Now, I may be fairly simple, but that suggests to me that there are different applications of the gift of tongues. The ESV, I looked it up, it talked about various kinds. There are various kinds 
of this gift. I'm going to advocate, as I said, for three types. The first one, go through them quickly. The first one is, and the two of them are public manifestations, and the third one is a private one. And the first one is, is the one that we, I think, have listed here, which is a, a prophetic message in an unknown tongue which requires an interpretation. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What should we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each one of you has, everyone hath, if you remember from last week, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So it says here, when you come together, so that this is talking about a, a public message given in another tongue or a different language in the context of church. And this one, actually, it is God communicating with us. And, and as we read through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, we, we learn that, that not everyone will necessarily operate in this manifestation of the gift. It is given, after all, as the Spirit wills. And it's important to note that, that the message should always be followed by an interpretation. 1 Corinthians 14, 30. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. This one actually works, I think, in a similar way and with a similar purpose to the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I wish, I could, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. That's manifestation one. Number two, also public, is speaking in another language that you don't know. This one is a sign for unbelievers. In Matthew chapter, sorry, Mark chapter 16, where Jesus gives his commission to the church, he says something like this. Just before he goes to heaven, he says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Give me a wave if that's you, if you believe. Amen, that's all of us, I think. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Then there's a funny one about snakes and poisons. And then it says they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. We'll come to that one. Remember for a second that the Pentecost episode we find in Acts chapter 2. In that situation, there were 120 people gathered in the upper room. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit, if you remember, descended on them, it said, in bodily form, like a dove, with, with cloven tongues, like as of fire, the King James says. And it said that they then all spoke with tongues as different languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And then we read in verse 6 of Acts 2, chapter 2, it says, When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. 
How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, which incidentally was a bit of a slur. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Pretty sure that miraculous sign got tongues wagging. That was a good joke. No one got it. You know, there are some wonderful accounts historically of, of people hearing missionaries praying in their own native languages, even in their specific local dialects, and coming up afterwards to missionaries say, How did you know that you how can you speak whatever language it is? Signs for unbelievers. Number two. Number three is the private manifestation. This one is, is your personal devotional prayer life. Look, at, we're, we're looking at 1 Corinthians 14 a bit and pulling out bits of that. That's where Paul looks at this whole area in detail. And in verse 13, he says, For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Verse 14, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. I want you to note the distinction there. There's two very different Greek words, Greek verbs used. The first one in verse 13 is speak in tongue. And the second one in verse 14 is, is pray in tongue. And so the third one here is, 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 a, is the private manifestation of speaking tongues in tongues that's available to every believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, it said they were all filled and all began speaking. And so God gives us a prayer language so we can pray with the Holy Spirit's help in an unknown, maybe human language, it may be a an angelic or heavenly language. We'll expand on this in a minute. The distinction for this one is, is if the public gift is God communicating with us, this one, if you like, is us communicating with God. And here's the point. I said the confusion that people tend to get into is, is various different texts, as we've just quickly highlighted, those texts on speaking or praying in tongues, they all become a lot clearer once you realize, once you understand, actually there are different kinds of praying or speaking in tongues. It cannot all be lumped into one basket. Okay, so with that foundation, let's come to the question that I want us to get into today. And the question is, how does praying in tongues help us live and do O dunamis, clothed with power. I mean, that's the title of the series. That's what you're all here to say. You know, is this praying in tongues just a kind of optional extra? Is it kind of something for strange denominations or whatever? Or is it actually vital, life-giving, and crucial to us as we endeavor to be a spirit-filled, faith-walking, Bible-believing, Holy Spirit clothed in power church? Okay, so again, remember the opening premise was that if you want to live en duo dunamis, clothed, cloaked, mantled with dunamis power, then praying in tongues is a tremendous and a vital and an ongoing source of Holy 
Spirit power. Now, the Corinthian church to whom Paul is writing were clearly a little bit confused about the place of tongues, about where it fitted or about how to use it appropriately. But into that, Paul made a really, really strong statement. And it's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18. He said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. I mean, that's a, that's a strong statement. Paul is elevating this gift and saying this is really, really important. And I use it a lot. And you know what? You need to gr grab hold of it too. If you look at the context of that little couple of verses there, it's in the context of the private use of this gift. Paul is saying, this is important, I count on it, and you are going to need it too. So we're going to look at four ways that, that praying in tongues is really helpful in igniting and in charging your spiritual life. And as we'll see, Paul, Paul addressed this in each of his, uh, sorry, Paul addressed each of these in his epistles. And for me personally, at this stage, I just say that but for all of these, they get a resounding amen for me. So how does praying in tongues help us to live clothed with power? Four things. Number one, it, it empowers your prayers. Number two, it tightens your walk with the Holy Spirit. Number three, it builds your faith. And number four, it stirs Work our way through those. Number one, it empowers your prayers. Anyone else could do with a bit of power in their prayer life. Here's the, the familiar passage I suspect. This is Romans 8, verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, I don't know about you, but often my own words are just not enough. The good news, we have the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, who has been called alongside, as we read here, to help us. Sometimes we just don't have much detail to go on. Good news, Holy Spirit. Spirit knows. He goes on to say, verse 27 of Romans 8, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So as we, as we pray in tongues, our Spirit, which is in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, deep on the inside and in our innermost being, our spirit prays out the perfect will of God. So this takes our prayer to a different level. Praying in tongues, because it says that the mind is unfruitful, do you know what? It takes our own thoughts and our own emotions and our own misconceptions out of the equation all together and produces a pure form of Holy Spirit-inspired prayer. And it then empowers that prayer with dunamis. It charges it with Holy Spirit truth 
and wisdom. No wonder Paul said, Ephesians 6 verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. So what follows Romans 8, 26 and 27, a very famous verse, verse 28, which says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we often take that verse sort of in isolation as a principle, and it applies. But if you put it into the context into which it is written here, it leads directly on from verses 26 and verse 27, which leads me to say, do not underestimate the role that praying in the Spirit plays in that working out. Praying out the will of God in the Spirit leads us into the good of the Lord. One more verse. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. I want to put out three key phrases from that verse. Phrase number one is, it speaks to God. You know, praying in tongues, it is strong and direct. It is personal and it is powerful. It's prayer, if you like, from your Holy Spirit-filled heart to His. Number one, it speaks to God. Number two, in the Spirit. This is, this is supernatural not natural. This comes from, from somewhere deep inside your innermost being. You don't worry at all that your, that your mind can't follow along. This is a naturally supernatural thing. And thirdly, the expression speaks mysteries. Again, we don't know, but God does. This is very good news. I'd say this, if you are surrounded by mysteries, perhaps it's time to start praying in the Spirit. And I just want to jump on just a second, stepping away from it, jump on what Caroline said, that, that, that word about permafrost. And I heard two things in that. I heard there's a, there may well be a layer that needs breaking. And I heard, the second part I heard is we need into that ground we need that layer breaking so we can pray an awful lot of seed and promise and word and spirit and life. And you know what? One of the things I think that, that praying in tongues has been for me is, you know, at times you look at a, a layer of permafrost or a barrier or an impediment or whatever it is, and you think, how on earth can I break that? And the answer is attack it by praying in tongues at it and attack it and attack it and attack it and attack it until... It breaks down. And that praying in tongues is far more powerful than all the best and most wonderful promises and thoughts that I can conjure up with my amazing brain because I know that I'm praying the very will of God. And if we will pray and pray in tongues, we can break that layer, whatever it is. And then the second part of that is, is what seed are you sowing? And it said, didn't it, in Romans 8, 26, 27, it talks about praying the perfect will of God. 
So as we're praying in tongues on that, once that permafrost layer has been broken, we're praying over that soil, that situation, that relationship, whatever it is. And we're just praying the perfect will of God and sowing Holy Spirit-empowered seed into that situation. Amen. That was not in my notes. I've got that for free. Okay, number one. So I got excited then for a minute. That's your fault, Caroline. Number two, um, what, what is contrib- contribution does praying in tongues make towards this, this empowered life? Second one, very simply, is it, it tightens or intensifies or closens, I can't find, find, quite find the right word, it tightens your walk with the Holy Spirit. You know, tongues is, is an intimate and personal prayer language. When you're praying in tongues, it's just you and him. So as a result of, of that intimate connection, it draws you closer to him. And it strengthens and it feeds and it intensifies your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm confident that's why Paul said in, in verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Because praying in tongues enables you to talk to God heart to heart. And if you lack the vocabulary to, to express what's going on in your head, pray in tongues. And if you really want to, to worship him deeply, but can't get the right words out, try using your prayer language. You've already read 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. So what shall I do? Paul said, I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my understanding. Both good, both valid, both important. I'm going to do both of those. And he goes on to say, I will sing with my spirit and I will also sing with my understanding. You know, singing in the spirit seems to have gone out of fashion. Quite sure why. But you know, tongues are a wonderful way to worship when our words are simply not enough. And how could they be when we think about the majesty of God? Good, I'm speeding up now. We're going to get there. Number three, praying in tongues builds your faith. Here's the, ver- the verse, Jude, uh, chapter, chapter one, there's only one chapter. Jude, verses 20 and 21. said, be you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know, praying in tongues is an exercise in faith. It's not, it's not normal or, or natural per se, so it does require a spot of boldness. You are stepping out, if you like, into the unknown. We understand, don't we, that faith Faith is like a muscle, and every time you use it, that muscle gets stronger. And so, you know, if if we want to live clothed in power, I recommend a little praying in tongues, faith exercise every day. And this is just one of many good reasons to, to move from category E to category F, if you can remember that long ago. 1 Corinthians 14 for the New Living Translation, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. New King James, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. G20, but you, beloved, 
building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Think of it as, as charging yourself up, not like giving your spiritual battery a boost of strength and power and energy. Being edified and empowered and blessed as you pray. We should do it as much as we can. Number four, praying in tongues stirs your spirit. I'll try and articulate in a short period of time this as best I can. Like you, I, I live in my own head, dominated by my own thoughts, for good or bad. But the reality is, actually, as one made in the image of God, I'm primarily a spirit being. Again, the phrase, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in an aging, creaking, hurting body. So if that is the case, then the true source of life, the source of truth and of wisdom and of power and of inspiration and of revelation is going to come from my spirit man deep within. What Peter called the hidden man of the heart. The question then becomes, how, how do you access that, that spirit life and power that may well be dormant or certainly bubbling within you? A couple of quick ideas on that. Number one, as you pray, your spirit is, is quickened. Quickened is a King James word. Um, John 6, 63, the spirit quickens, gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. As you pray in the spirit, the fire starts to burn. And passion grows and hopefully inspiration flows. Proverbs 20, verse 27 tells us that, that our spirit is like, is like a candle that needs igniting. Another picture, the, your spirit is, is like a well that needs stirring. And the hope is that that well gets filled and refreshed and stirred and starts to overflow and that spiritual life comes out. John 7, 37, 38, which is a wonderful verse. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So praying in the spirit is a great way of getting that living water flowing. It's a good way of getting what's deep inside of you coming out. Number two, as you pray, you stir up the gifts within you. 2 Timothy 1 verse 16, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame, King James says stir up, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The implication being there that there's a gift that's in you, you've been given it, but you need to fan it into flames, you need it quickened, you need it stirred up. For me, there is something about praying in tongues that gets my spiritual juices flowing. And if I need inspiration or if I need revelation, I just start to pray in tongues. You know, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty confident that sometimes, you know, even as I'm praying in tongues, 
my prayer out. Sometimes the Holy Spirit gives me the interpretation to the words that I'm praying. The process goes like this. My spirit is stirred as I pray. My mouth speaks. My mind is bypassed. My mind is unfruitful. And then revelation comes. My spirit is stirred. My mouth speaks. And then revelation comes. Number three, nearly there, last one. As you pray, your spirit is fruitful. Who wants to be fruitful? 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Why? Because you've not got the first clue what's going on. There's a corollary to that. There's an implication that your mind may be unfruitful, but your spirit is fruitful. Your mind isn't engaged, but your spirit very much is. You just need a tongue to get it out. So rather than being, rather than being dominated by the external pressures, we get to dig into internal power. It's there because the Holy Spirit is living in your heart. And praying in tongues, if you like, activates your spirit. It stirs the gift. It gets your spirit involved and begins to untap that rich spiritual life that is available to us all. Okay, let's tie all that together. The aim is to live and duo Airing that mantle, clothed with that power. And if we want to shift the dial, if we want to fill the tank, if, if we want to put on the cloak, then praying in tongues is a powerful and effective way to do these four things. Number one, empower your prayers. Number two, tighten your walk with the Holy Spirit. Number three, build your faith. And number four, stir your spirit. And if you do that as a result, you will grow stronger, you will be bolder, and you will draw closer to the one who fills and leads and empowers us. Amen. So how do we respond to that? Guess what? Back to where we started. Where are you with all of this? When you hear the expression speaking or praying in tongues, what happens inside of you? It could be at the start, you were in category D. I'd like it, but I can't seem to get it. I've been prayed for, and nothing happens. Well, I've got good news. We can pray for you today. And in a minute, we will give you that opportunity. It may be that you are in category E. Sure, I pray in tongues, or at least I used to. Well, do you know what? This is a call for the Lord, I'm convinced. Today is the day to step back into that gift. And then finally, F, count me in. Praying in tongues is invaluable and indispensable and imperative. In which case, great, get to it. As we've heard this morning, the benefits of doing that are manifold. Before we, we, we get into this, uh, I'd, I'd like to offer a little bit of help for, for those people in category D. And I know that, that some people struggle with this a little bit, perhaps out of fear, 
or anxiety or, or perhaps they've had a bad or negative experience in the past. Maybe they haven't been taught properly on this subject. But I have three really, really quick points for these people and then we're going to get to response time. Acts 2 verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So point number one is you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't, we can do that too. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit. That was where they were at in Pentecost. At that moment of time, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. For you, it might be the first time. In which case, fantastic, we'll pray for you. It could be that what you need this morning is a top-up. That's great. We could all do with a topping up. We'll pray for you. But clearly, I, I want you to notice, he is the source of the gift, and it is imparted usually through the laying on of hands. Number one, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is his gift. Secondly, you have to do the speaking. The Holy Spirit will not take over your mouth in some trance-like state. Your spirit does the praying. Your vocal cords have to do the speaking. Don't overthink this. This is the thing that bypasses the brain anyway. Just allow whatever words he gives you to start to flow out. For some, this experience is, is of a sudden release and a river and a torrent of prayer. For others, including me, it took me a day or two. I remember when I was first prayed for, I went home and I stood in front of the bathroom mirror, don't ask me why, and I, and I did this thing for myself in the in private. I, you know, I'm an introvert. That's the way I operate. I believe it was, that was nearly 40 years ago for me. So number one, you have to be filled with the Spirit. Number two, you have to do the talking. And the number three, it just sounds like gibberish. This can't be it. If that's how you feel about it when you start to pray, don't, don't worry. Just start with what the Holy Spirit gives you. It may sound, at least to begin with, like baby talk. Perhaps you'll, you'll begin with just one word or two. So in my experience, you grow in the gift. And in time, it's as though the language and the vocabulary grows into its fullness. So don't worry if you get prayed for and it seems very simple and it seems a little bit strange. This is a supernatural thing. Just go with the impulse of the Holy Spirit 